What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, it feels just like I'm walking on broken glass. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Wokelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. And today we're going to talk about uh, the three R's, but mainly recycling. That's, uh, of course, reducing, reusing, and recycling. Uh, we were talking about the future of trash and is recycling part of that future and where does it play uh, its part and, and how important is it and does it make sense uh and uh some of the answers are are you know they might surprise you um it's not even across the board and also it's something that's constantly changing due to our improvements in the technology, technology and processes yeah. let me guess it's for hippies you shouldn't do it. According to Penn and Teller. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what you should do is go out, consume. Oh, that, that doesn't surprise me. 
<laughs> they, they they had a they had a show. Um, I, I'm I'm not sure if I can actually say the title of the show we'll on air out. right we'll now. We'll bleep it out. Uh, bullshit was was the name. Yeah. was the name of the show, and um and they had an episode on recycling in which Penn in particular came down very harshly on it. Yeah, well, I mean, on it, most of it. It, it, it there there are certain arguments you can make against recycling certain products. Certainly, but I think a lot of that. Uh, again, will change over time due to improvements in tech and processes. But to really, uh, first of all, I mean, let's talk about what recycling is. Obviously, it's it's for those who just have never heard the term, uh, welcome <laughs> to Earth. <laughs> recycling is, of course, taking uh, material that you normally would just throw away and and uh, and breaking it down to be reused in some form uh, further down the line, whether it's it to create more of the same product as what you were currently using or something entirely different. I, I think part of the key of understanding recycling is the idea that there's some reprocessing involved. Right. That uh, it's not just reusing, say. Right, oh, right, right, right. It's not so, taking a jar that you've used and putting something different in it, hopefully after you've washed it. Um, that, yeah. that would be reusing. Uh, by the way, if anyone comes over to my house for any sort of uh, party or whatever, you're going to be drinking out of mason jars. I'm not a hipster. It's not that I think that that's a cool thing. You're it's, just southern, and that's what you have. I I buy a lot of pickled vegetables, <laughs> and then I'm, I think I want to keep using these jars, and so uh, that's that's uh, my glassware for the most part. I mean, it's just it is. Got to collect your urine for the apocalypse somehow. <laughs> that's right. What, well, I'll start on my urine later. I'm collecting other people's right now, and it turns oh, out see. that it's a lot harder to convince people than I first expe- expected. For, like, biometric falsification? Yeah, you know. Okay. Or just throwing at aliens, just in case that happens to be their weakness. So recycling has been used actually <laughs> for, for, for really for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, uh, going, going back to when people were making metal tools, realized, ah, I don't really like this one. Let's melt it down and make it again. Um, technically, is recycling... Gotcha. That tool or sword or et cetera. Right, right. So if you've if you folded it a thousand times and made your katana for your end of days uh, duel against the Kurgan, you know. Yeah, or if you just were, I guess if you were to beat your swords into plowshares, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. Recycling. Excellent. Exactly. Excellent. Yeah. So, uh, but but really, that's not you know that's that's one form of recycling, but it's not really what we think of when we're talking recycling. Right? It's not I mean, the industry level thing that we've got going on today. Yeah, there was a. I mean, obviously, there was a big push to recycling back in the 30s and 40s. Uh, right, right. Well, even even before that, around the turn of the century is is when a bunch of industries started getting together and um, processing scraps. World War One was when this became much more important because because uh, because materials became so scarce due to the uh, global war efforts that right. um, uh, some companies began rendering garbage to recover grease and make a uh, make tankage out of the rest of it. Tankage being um, uh, non fat related proteins, usually okay. from, from from animal parts that can be used for fertilizer. Gotcha. Um, and uh, and then yeah, the through through the 1930s uh, during the Great Depression here in America, certainly, and and hard economic times in many other places, conservation recycling became so important due to I mean a lot of people made most of their income by collecting items and selling them for scrap. Wow. And then you get to World War II, and there's more recycling efforts for the war effort again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, um, know, you, you had fewer people. To work on things because you had so much of the workforce sent off to war uh, that you know you didn't have as many people to actually get the raw materials you usually would need mm-hmm. to produce. And in wartime, production is a big 
part of it, right? I mean, everything from uh, the stuff you would think of, like vehicles and weapons and mm-hmm. ammunition, that sort of stuff, to things that you might not necessarily imagine, just to keep everyone who's still you know, away from the fighting uh, supplied with the th- stuff that they need. Or how sure. many boots did you need to make in World War II? You know? Lots, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, rubber and uh, and nylon items that were made that were used at the time to make uh, lots of common clothing items wound up being used in uh, uh, nylon was used for parachutes for the mm-hmm. war effort mm-hmm. and uh, and of course rubber for tires. And yeah, actually the the fact that they they switched from like Dupont was making nylon stockings. They stopped making nylon stockings in order to make materials for the war effort, and apparently that caused a bunch of um, well, they were called nylon riots. When when Dupont went back to creating nylon stockings, there was apparently a run on stores because uh, they didn't mean to make a run joke. <laughs> Boy, that was a pun that no, was completely accidental unintentional. Puns. Yeah, that's those are the best. We're making those now. Anyway, that's great. So yeah, that was uh you know that again and it, that was sort of changing uh, gears for production, but it also meant that. Uh, repurposing this material for something else. Repurposing and recycling was so big during the wars. It, it was more far-reaching than than most people today really realize. Um, uh, for for example, during the uh, during the Victorian era, fancy cemeteries, um, every cemetery plot would have these gorgeous wrought iron fencings around them. And during the the two world wars, uh, you, you won't find those today basically anywhere because all of them were melted down during the wars. Wow! And so you know, it's it, people would picnic there. It was very nice. You know. Garden you know, picnics and cemeteries. of the dead. It's what you do. Yeah, sure. But we do it mm-hmm. here in Atlanta too. Oakland yeah. Cemetery does it all the time. That's a cool Desecrate cemetery. The dead? It is a cool cemetery. Yeah. That is where uh, I learned about this, by the way. Visit, oh. visit Oakland. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, also, uh, so you get up to like the 1970s. That's really when we got into the environmentalism movement. So recycling up until the 1970s was more about conserving resources uh, for use for particular uh, efforts, like the world war effort. Mm-hmm. When you say resources, you mean the raw materials themselves, like right. the, the thing that's being reprocessed. Right. It was It was recycling because... In order for us to meet our needs, we Cheaply had enough to. to do them. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't a save the environment kind of thing. It was. We need more X. The best way to do it is to pull up a bunch of Y, melt it down, and turn them into X. Right, right. And in fact, immediately after the war, especially here in the states, we went through that economic boom where people were very um, conspicuously consuming. Yeah, and it, it became um, some very... could argue we're still there. <laughs> Sure, sure. Some of but us are more conspicuous than others. Especially at the time. Um, the uh, buying the $1,500 pair of glasses. Buying new stuff. Yeah, Jonathan just got his Google Glass. It's very exciting. Yeah. Um, or our Google Glass. Yes, it's really. ours. It's all of ours. You can share. Come on over. I'd... <laughs> But yeah, uh, it, it wasn't until the first Earth Day in 1970, and um, uh, in 1973 was when the first curbside recycling program got mm-hmm, off the ground here mm-hmm. in the states. Um, and and then uh, through through the 1990s, I think is when it started really picking up. You know, due to uh, Captain Planet and uh, sure. Fern Gully, <laughs> yeah, probably right. Fern Gully. <laughs> Tim Curry played the bad guy in that. He did. You All know, right. I laugh, but Captain Planet made an impression on me. Did he? I think so. A yeah. positive one. Were you? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Were you All a right. planeteer? I, I guess, <laughs> you know, I never got a ring, but 
Mm-hmm. See, for me, it's always, uh, I just go back to the image of the Native American with the one tear going down the cheek to avoid littering. That's a, <laughs> that's where my environmentalism comes from. Isn't it funny? All, all these issues kind of get blurred together, like uh, waste waste management, littering, uh, landfills, recycling. Sure. But it, it, it'll be worth us talking about exactly what the real benefits of recycling are. Well, first, I kind of curious like how does it happen like how does recycling work well yeah that, that's interesting uh, so th- there are um okay well let's start at your house i guess okay so you've got a bunch of recyclables and they'll be say glass bottles and uh, uh plastic containers sure. uh paper products like cardboard and newspaper and uh cans aluminum cans steel cans tin mm-hmm. um and you want to get all this stuff recycled. Well, uh, there are two – there's a big distinction you want to make right at the beginning, which is sorted versus unsorted. Mm-hmm. Um, and different municipalities, I think, will deal with that in different ways. Like some people will require sorted, and that makes sense because it's much easier to process right. when the recycling r- arrives pre-sorted to the processing facility. But – what I've read is that that also lowers participation rates. Right, people, because you're putting the burden on the person. Right, and for some people, that's just too much trouble. Yeah, like they don't they don't want to go through the effort of sorting through the stuff that they they want to recycle and put it into one of five different bins or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it also just makes it it makes it less convenient for the person and the sad fact is is the the more inconvenient it is the lower the participation is going to be yeah so these facilities get more materials overall if they allow mixed uh mixed mixed materials material yeah yeah and, um, but then that makes it more difficult to actually uh to actually recycle the stuff right yeah they but have to we're, sort it. interestingly we're getting a lot better at that mm-hmm. um so the so you'd put uh you, you take these mixed materials and you have say curb Curbside pickup. Sure. So a transfer truck comes along along a route and and picks up all the materials and takes them to a place called a materials recovery facility. Okay. And from there, you essentially put all your materials on a conveyor belt. And from here, it's not the same at every facility. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I'm just going to give kind of a, a standard view of of some things I've seen. Um, one thing that's going to vary between all these facilities is. The level of automation versus manual sorting. Mm-hmm. Um, so more advanced facilities have fewer human workers working to take these things out and have better processes for sorting automatically. But so usually the first thing will happen is there's some kind of initial purge where obvious trash is removed because, you know, what do you know? People put pizza in their recycling and stuff that <laughs> they can't uh-huh. take. Um, so you try to remove that at the beginning. And then usually after that, one of the first things they want to do is remove glass because glass is kind of a different animal than most of these other things we mm-hmm. recycle. And so uh, glass will be moving along a conveyor belt. And if it's not removed manually, it can be removed automatically by like a raking mechanism that separates based on weight and shape. Or there can be gravity sorting so that there's a, uh, a conveyor belt moving sort of upward at an angle mm-hmm. with enough Friction to carry up plastic and paper products. Lighter but, items. Right, but glass rolls down off of it. Gotcha. Um, and so once the glass is separated, that's usually crushed up into a constituency of shards called cullet, mm-hmm. and that, that can be used for all kinds of different things. Okay. Um, 
But most of the rest of the products, uh, apart from glass, eventually what the goal is to bale them like hay. Gotcha. Um, and so after glass is removed, they'll usually sort out paper products, and they can do that by mechanical action or by hand. Um, and you separate those out and take them to a fiber baler and bale them up together. Uh, steel cans are often separated by magnets these sure, days. And sure. that's interesting. So the uh, conveyor belt will just pass under a very powerful magnet, just sucks them straight up. Right. But then you've got a problem that you've got all these aluminum cans and right. these other alloys that aren't, they're non-ferrous material, so they're not attracted to magnets. So right. uh, one of the popular ways of dealing with that these days is you have something called an eddy current separator. Okay. And that's this powerful magnetic rotor that generates a field that blasts non-ferrous metals off in some direction. Hmm. It, it, it creates a, a separate magnetic field within the can itself, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 that magnetic field will be at at odds with the with the field being generated by the device, I and see. it will just pop it right off the belt. Interesting. Yeah. So you've got uh, so say you've separated everything else by now, and you've got uh, non-ferrous metals, and you've got plastic, and they're rolling along. The plastic will just sit there. But when the the aluminum cans pass over this thing, they shoot, shoot, you know, mm-hmm. fl- fly away. Uh, I guess into a big basket or whatever you use. I don't know. Sure, sure. Uh-huh. Take them to the baler, smash them down into a cube. Um, those will be ready. And then finally, usually you're going to have plastic, and that's mm-hmm. sorted according to type. So you, you've probably seen like pla- number one plastic, number two plastic, sure. like type two plastics, like milk jugs and mm-hmm. laundry detergent jugs, that kind of thing. Yeah, and those things are separated into different groups for ease of reprocessing. Right. Um, and uh, and that can be done by hand or automatically by things like uh, their sort of optical field separators. So they they shoot out some beam of light that. Uh, penetrates uh, different plastics in different ways. Gotcha. And, and use a sensor to yeah. uh, to figure out what bits uh, exactly as, which, as, which yeah as it passes over like a like a gap in the conveyor um, or or something like that. It will use um, air jets to mm-hmm. to to shoot out the ones that it wants to. Yeah. So then at the end, and so you got your plastic left over and smash that into bales, and then at the end, your final product is you've got glass cullet. Bales of plastic, bales of paper products, bales of aluminum, bales of steel. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these things are then sold to manufacturers or I guess really whoever wants them. I mean, you can buy recycled materials. Sure. You can just go pay for a bale of steel. Right. Yeah. And in fact, um, let's talk about some of the stuff that can be made from recycled materials. Now, there's some stuff that, you know, is is... You've probably heard of things like you know made tires made out of recycled materials, uh, even pavement made from recycled materials. Uh, typically, a lot of this stuff ends up making more of whatever it was before. So, for mm-hmm. example, a lot of paper, recycled paper, ends up going into things like paper plates, napkins, paper towels, uh, that sort of stuff. So, a lot of that re- reclaimed paper just becomes more paper products. Same thing with aluminum. A lot of like. You know, the odds of an aluminum can becoming something like a car frame are low. It can happen. There are manufacturers out there that will use recycled aluminum as part of their materials for designing this stuff. But it's far more likely that the aluminum can you toss in the recycling is going to become a new aluminum can. Glass, uh, some glass, depending, glass is tricky. 
because glass comes in a lot of different kinds as well. Like you can have glass that's in colors or you can have clear glass. That can change things up. Uh, often glass will get downcycled. Now, downcycle means that you convert this into material that is slightly less valuable than what the raw material was or what the original product was. So, for example, a glass jar, you might throw that out in, uh, in recycling or whatever, and it gets recycled as part of um, uh, something that's made out of fiberglass. And mm. by weight, it's less valuable. That's why we call it downcycling because mm-hmm. it's moved down a level. Um, so that will uh, – that's – fairly common to for glass to go into things like fiberglass. But then there's some kind of cool stuff. I'm going to mention some specific uh, companies, too, just for some sort of nifty products that are made out of recycled materials. For example, uh, there's a group called Keen's Harvest Bags. They make, like, <laughs> messenger bags, uh-huh. okay? But they make them out of recycled airbags from cars. Oh, oh. They're actually really cool. Uh, you know, they, they just kind of a nifty way of reusing this material that otherwise might not ever be used. There's vinyl. Uh, what's that? I just imagined getting a messenger bag that had like blood or a tooth <laughs> on it or something. I'm pretty sure that wouldn't happen. I think that might be bad press for the company. Um, I apologize to Keen's Harvest Bags. Oh, no, I'm not <laughs> implying that I think that would happen. I just, no, no, I know. It's just the first thing that pops. I have such a charming imagination. <laughs> yeah. I have to. No, I, you know. I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Vinylux. Vinylux uses uh, something that is beloved to me, old vinyl records. Hmm. So some old vinyl records are beyond the... Uh, uh, They've just, they've passed their prime, right? Mm-hmm. There, there might be scratches, there might be some sort of warping, and anyway, it makes the, the music less than, uh, or whatever was recorded on them, less than interesting or, or pleasurable to listen to. And so what Vinylix does is it takes old vinyl records that are, you know, kind of messed up, and then creates things like bowls or clocks, uh, ornaments and other stuff, and, uh, anything that they don't use, like any scraps that are left over from their, their, uh, projects gets sent to a plant in Nashville, actually, and all of that those scraps are melted down to create new vinyl records to wow. have to be the, the the material for new vinyl records, so nothing gets wasted. There is another company called Looped Works, and they have uh, used recycled neoprene, nylon, vinyl, polyester, leather to create all sorts of different products like uh, like electronics covers, like a cover case for, you know, a tablet or something. Uh, some really cool designs coming out of them. And then there's a, a company called Moving Comfort. I like this one a lot. They remove chemicals from coffee grounds and turn it into yarn and then weave cloth out of this stuff. Uh, okay. What? Yeah. That's fi- fibrous, sure. No, so yeah, makes- coffee grounds. Yeah, it's actually the chemicals from coffee grounds. So they're making a synthetic yarn from various chemicals they extract from coffee grounds, and they turn that into yarn, and they use that to make clothing. So uh, a company's called Moving Comfort. You can look them up. It's pretty cool stuff. You're blowing my mind, Strickland. It's pretty neat. Pretty <laughs> neat. There's um there's recycle bikes, which is out of here's a here's a shocker. I know you guys are going to be amazed when you hear this. Portland, Oregon. Uh, recycle bikes, <laughs> which make bikes out of recycled aluminum. Um, their seats are made out of renewable cork. Uh, right now, they they also are uh, belt-driven bikes, not chain-driven, because uh, they said that the belt-driven ones are easier to maintain. Um, they say that their goal is one day to have a 100% 
recycled materials bike. Right now it's not quite there, but uh, that's their goal is to, to just make bikes that are completely made out of recycled materials. Uh, up in Vancouver, the city is experimenting on creating new types of pavement that is made up of uh, wax, partially, from recycled plastic. So they're taking this plastic in and they're uh, processing it into this wax to go into new pavement production, which is kind of neat. Um, so yeah, that's just some examples. I mean, obviously there are tons of different examples of ways to use recycled materials uh, and, and you know, what, new products you can make from recycled materials. So let's kind of talk a little bit about some statistics, like what is actually getting recycled and how much is being recycled. Uh, now we're going to be citing some factors from a report done by the Environmental Protection Agency. Which is which is here in the United States. Yeah, we should also mention, obviously, a lot of the stuff we're talking about is very U.S.-centric because that's where we are located. There are obviously lots of different recycling uh, companies and facilities around the entire world, but uh, we, we are focusing mainly on the U.S. because that's really where we can get uh, the the most recent information uh, the in a, a very easy way since we happen to live here. It makes it pretty convenient. But uh, the report we're looking at is citing statistics from 2011, which was the most recent information that we could find. And um, according to that report, 73% of all uh, newspaper slash mechanical papers were recovered, meaning recycled. 57% of yard trimmings were recovered. 34% of metals were, re- were recycled. Uh, so you know, you see that this number is going down. Uh, glass, there was even less. Um, and, and plastic is a little weird too. But by recycling the, uh, the metals, there was actually 7.5 million tons of metal recycled in 2011. According to the EPA, we eliminated 20 million tons of greenhouse gas emissions, which uh, totals more than 20 metric tons of carbon dioxide. And again, according to them, they say that that's about equivalent to removing 4 million cars from the road for an entire year. So, I mean, this is showing that there can be a real impact to these programs. If you participate, uh, you can actually really help to reducing greenhouse gases because the amount of energy needed to go into recycling some of these materials, not all of them, but some of them is so much less than what it would take for you to create a new product from raw virgin material that you are saving quite a bit of energy and as a result uh, emitting fewer carbon uh, carbon dioxide and greenhouse gas emissions. Um, so you're doing lots of good work all along the way. Mm-hmm. But that's that's kind of like the basic lowdown on recycling. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. It's very much down to... Uh, individual participation as well as community participation. Clearly, if you live someplace that doesn't have a recycling program, it makes it much more difficult to be part of this. Right. Um, the I think that report said that that overall um, in 2011, Americans generated about 250 million tons of trash and um, recycled about 34.7% of that. Yeah. Yeah. Out of all of the trash that was generated... Uh, Usually we refer to it as uh, municipal solid waste or MSW. Uh, and it's a very you – know, it kind of excludes other types of, of trash, things like industrial waste or construction waste mm-hmm. that's or toxic waste. This Sewage. Stuff, yeah. These are not included in municipal solid waste. This is the <laughs> right. kind of stuff that you would see ending up in a typical landfill. Mm-hmm. 
And and I, I think that um, uh, especially in Europe, a lot of other places do a little bit better than that. Um, yeah. But 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 again, like Jonathan said, it really depends on the the resources here in the states and your specific community. Of course, yeah. it, it matters vastly by region. Sure, right, of in, course. In the United States, and what, what also. kind of what kind of plants, what kind of processing plants you have, and and whether or not people find it. Um, I mean, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, it's it's monetarily based a lot of the time. Oh you yeah. Know, how how worth it it is right if it's cheaper to throw something in a landfill than it is to recycle it or if it's cheaper to build new products out of virgin material than it is to take old material and repurpose it to make this stuff then from an economic standpoint you can see why people companies organizations pick the landfill option because it means that they save money in the long run now a lot of us especially for those of us who feel very environmentally conscious kind of cringe at that the idea that somehow money can dictate this when you know you might say but in the long run it's much much better for us to do this well that's easy to say but if if you have to have money to create these systems so that everything works it's hard to excuse it yeah you can't just you can't just wave it away i mean you have to be willing to put forth that investment and either that means you know uh, uh, starting up a private company and trying to make recycling work for you as a business uh and we'll talk more about that in kind of a waste disposal uh, podcast that we'll be doing a little bit later or you know you have to be a government that's willing to go to the citizens and say you're telling us you want us to deal with this this problem we can do that, but it's going to require this much money. So that means we're going to have to either raise taxes or repurpose money for meant for other product mm-hmm. projects or whatever. Uh, you know, that's the sad fact of it is that economics are going to play a role. And it really depends from um, from item to item. Um, that's true. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. We'll, you know, I think that that's a good way of finishing this up. But before we do, I want to mention one other thing about recycling, one other uh, type of recycling which is e-waste, electronic waste, <laughs> things like computers, smartphones, tablets, game consoles, uh, all this stuff that we use, these electronics that we use, you know, we're kind of uh, encouraged to go through these things at a rate that is pretty steep, steep. Yeah, like. So are you saying we shouldn't just throw an old computer in the dumpster? I'm getting there. I, I will. I will say that. I will say that, but I was going to say at first that, you know, we, we, here in the United States in particular, we live in a society where we are encouraged to update our electronics on a frantic basis. For instance, if you are an iPhone user, and I, you know, if you're an iPhone user, then essentially once a year, you're shown off the brand new version of the iPhone that is it, you know, clearly, the whole, clearly superior. Yeah, the whole thing is designed to get you to buy iPhones, which makes sense. That's the business, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but you know, if especially in the U.S., the way that the contract system works for our phones, often those contracts lock you in for two years. So you've got this this level of consumer uh, frustration where like, I want the new iPhone, but I'm locked into this contract. I'll just pay to get out of it or whatever. It's it's it feels like you are obligated to upgrade right. on a regular basis. I don't mean to pick on Apple. If you're an Android user, that's more like every couple of months because there's a new Android phone coming from various manufacturers every few months that is obviously better than the one you bought mm-hmm. last week. And there's that old joke about computers that by the time you get it home, it's uh, obsolete. It's obsolete. Yeah, exactly, which really isn't that much of a joke. It's pretty true. So we've got so let, let's say that even if you are being as responsible as possible where you are not buying the newest electronic uh, device every time it comes out. 
eventually you're going to get to a point where you're going to need to get rid of some of your electronics. Either they stop working or you've replaced them with something else and you need to, to remove it from your life. created an entire wall of dead computers, just for example, not that I know anyone I've got or a, would I've got do a, that personally. I've got a corner of the garage that is the monitor graveyard. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm talking about monitors. I'm not talking about displays. I'm talking about those huge monitors. But um, yeah, so eventually you're going to need to get rid of some of these electronics, right? So what do you do? Well, Joe, like you were saying, you don't want to throw them in the trash. It turns out a lot of these electronics have some pretty nasty stuff in them, some toxic materials. I mean, things like lead, which is obviously toxic. Heavy metals. M- yeah, not, not not the music, but like, <laughs> like mercury, which is toxic. Uh, beryllium, cadmium, uh, other things from the Table of Elements oh. song <laughs> that Daniel Radcliffe can sing for some reason. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is this is dangerous stuff. And if you threw it away, there's a chance, depending upon where you live, there's a chance that that could end up going to an incinerator. There aren't that many in the United States, but uh, in other parts of the world, incinerators are big business. And it would release this stuff in, and you would have to deal with it then because it, if it went out into the environment, it could cause some real health hazards. In fact, in China, that's a huge problem because there are some major uh, e-waste re- reclamation centers in China. And reclamation, by that I mean they're trying to get anything useful out of these uh, these electronic devices – that they can, and then they burn everything else. Mm. And it tends to release lots of toxic materials that can go on to create severe health hazards and uh, a really negative environmental impact in the surrounding area. So uh, e-waste is one of those things that needs to be handled very carefully. There are actually quite a few programs out there that allow you to donate your device so that it can then be refurbished and sold again. So that means it extends the, the lifetime of that device and give someone else who wants it that opportunity to own it. Uh, now, in that case, one thing I would I'll stress to everybody is if it's any sort of device that contains personal information, you want to make certain that you wipe all that personal information off before you donate it. There are a lot of uh, uh, organizations out there that will do this, or at least they say that they do that, that that's one of their, their standard Services, operating procedures. Yeah. It's obviously an important part. Uh, personally, I would never hand over anything unless I was relatively certain that I had wiped it clean. Uh, just as an aside, uh, I bought my Xbox 360 refurbished, and it had the the gamer tag information uh, of the previous owner still on there because he or she had never bothered to wipe that from the Xbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that I would necessarily have done anything about that, like logged in as that person and done something nefarious, but <laughs> if I had been someone else, maybe I would have. <laughs> I'm not that kind of guy. So what I did was the first thing I did was I wiped it clean so that I wouldn't have any of that access to that person's yeah, account at all. Yeah, Re- Reformatting the drive is, is the really important thing to do there yeah. because a, a lot of the especially um, services, like if you have Netflix or something on your Xbox, will sh- retain your information for a shocking period of time after you've contacted the company about your stolen Xbox to tell them to take down that yeah. bit from any previous yeah. machines. Yeah, so so just word of warning, you know, and you know, 
do some research. If you're going to donate some of your, or, or if you want to recycle some of your electronics, do some research out there and make sure that whatever uh, outlet you're going to use is a reputable one. Um, that's uh, always a good thing. There, there are more and more of those rising up because people are trying to be more responsible with this sort of approach, uh, which is, that's admirable. Just make sure that you know, the one that you're going to go with is, in fact, a responsible organization. So now let's get into this whole idea about does recycling make sense? Does it make sense from an economic standpoint and an environmental standpoint? And the reason why we even have this question is because there are certain materials where you could possibly make an argument that it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to recycle. That doesn't mean that we should be using it like crazy and throwing it out the window, <laughs> but rather that there may be other alternatives to recycling that we should consider. So, for example, uh, one thing that does make perfect sense to recycle is aluminum. It is an incredibly efficient form of recycling. There's very little processing that you need to make uh, uh, some aluminum reusable. Uh, yeah, re- re- recycling a can, I think, saves 95% of the energy it would have required to make a new one. Right. It, it only takes 5% of that energy you would take. Like, if you were to take the virgin material and then turn that into an aluminum can, and then you were to recycle an old aluminum can into an aluminum can, the recycled can would take only 5% of the energy that you needed to make the brand new can. So... Clearly, their recycling makes perfect sense as long as you have a way of sorting the the uh, the trash, the recyclables, in such a way that you can get at that aluminum. It makes perfect sense. That sorting might be what holds you up, depending upon what technology you're using. But uh, if you're using pre-sorted recyclables, then it's a no-brainer. Plastic's a little tricky. Uh, it does only require one tenth of the energy to recycle plastic than it would to produce plastic from new material that you raw material that you've just uh, uh, managed to get but again sorting is the big problem there and sorting between plastics can be uh, such a huge issue that some recycling facilities will end up sending much or even all of the plastics they've received to a landfill. Mm-hmm. So even though you are putting your stuff in a recycling bin and a recycling truck is picking it up, it doesn't necessarily mean that that is going to be recycled. Some of that, or maybe even all of it, might end up in a landfill depending upon where you are. Now, don't hear this and say, well, I shouldn't recycle plastic anymore. I mean, right, your local right. facility may be doing well by it. Uh, and especially with uh, with that technology that Joe was talking about, the optical sorting, um, yeah. I, I think that it's made that process a lot more efficient. Yeah, exactly. It's not that you shouldn't uh, bother recycling. It may be that your facility is lagging behind the others, but ho- I hope that most of them are working toward improving those, those processes so that they can recapture more of the plastic. It, it makes sense uh, financially, you know, economically, as well as environmentally. It's just for some facilities, they have to catch up a little more than others. And so um, it's important to continue to recycle even with plastic. But just know that we're, you know, the level of sophistication, technologically speaking, when we get to sorting is not so widespread as to be infallible by any means. Uh, paper, uh, about 60% of the energy you would need to make a new piece of paper from raw materials uh, is what is what you would need to make a piece of paper from recycled materials. So a little over half the amount of energy you would normally need. So as you see, we're moving further away from that that 5% that aluminum has. Mm-hmm. 
And now with paper, it's more like 60%. However, paper's a lot easier to sort. So it turns out that, you know, a lot of paper tends to get recycled. And if you recycle about, let's see, I think a ton of paper ends up being about 17 trees. So if you think about that, you know, you're, you're actually saving forests from getting cut down because you're reducing the need for new paper. And, and furthermore, I mean, you know, t- trees are a renew- renewable resource, but, um, but those old growth forests, um, that, that really provide a better environmental, uh, uh habitat, are frequently torn down uh, for for pulpwood trees, which grow much more quickly and are uh, much more useful for the creation of paper. But you know, it's it's not really it's not really the ecological equivalent, right? Um, and that that kind of brings us up to glass, which is the problem child, really. Uh, so glass you know, glass is not made from a precious material. It's <laughs> essentially made from sand. sand. Yeah, take sand, apply heat, you eventually get glass. Um, it's a little more complicated than that, but not by a whole lot. It's, and, it's basically quartz, right? Is that well? It's silicate, silicon. You know, it's and and it's uh, it's, it's a bunch of stuff. Really, we can yeah. scrub that. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> I was just guessing. Okay. <laughs> why I don't know why I said that. Apologies. It's talcum powder, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So recycling glass only saves about thirty percent of the energy that you would need to create a new piece of glass from raw material. So it's you're not saving that much more energy by recycling than you would be by producing something new. The raw material itself is not a precious material. It's not something that's uh, incredibly valuable on its own. It's not like taking more sand is really uh, affecting the environment in a, a terrible way. So there are a lot of reasons why recycling is – it makes less sense with glass. It's not that it's ineffective. It's not that you shouldn't do it. It's that – it's just not, from an economic and environmental standpoint, as important. What I would suggest is instead of recycling, you reuse, mm-hmm. just like I do with my mason jars that you'll be drinking out of if you come visit <laughs> me in my house, uh, assuming I offer you something to drink. Who knows? I'm not the most hospitable guy. Um, besides, Make once sure you, you eat bread and salt I when you go there. I was just about to say that. Once, <laughs> if, you, if you have bread and salt, you know you're safe. If not... It's a nice day for a red wedding. All right. So, yeah. So recycling uh, glass, maybe not as as big uh, a deal, comparatively speaking, but reusing is very important. Um, if you if you are able to reuse, that's the best thing to do. If not, recycling is perfectly fine. It's not like it's bad. It's just not as efficient as some of the other materials. Mm-hmm. And I mean, eventually, I'm going to reach a point where I don't need more mason jars because I'm never going to have 450 people at my house. And I, while making forts of it is fun, it's also really dangerous with a Jack Russell in the house. So I will eventually be recycling mason jars as opposed to reusing them over and over again. But... uh uh, that's that's really you know the the end story there and and again recycling for all of these materials is just going to improve over time as uh, it becomes more economically feasible. Uh, in our next podcast, we'll be talking about waste disposal in general, and we'll talk about the economics of that and how just throwing stuff away costs money. It's not like throwing something away is free. It's actually. There is an expense to it. And if recycling ends up being economically more uh, advantageous than just throwing it into a landfill, 
you can bet that that will take off. And that means the technologies will improve that much more quickly. And the environment, the environmental factors will improve as well. Uh, it's, again, depending upon your point of view, it may be a little sad to say this is all kind of dictated ultimately by a price tag. But that's kind of the world we live in until we reach that Star Trek future where we don't need <laughs> cash anymore. In which case, we'll be replicating everything we need anyway. And, and using cold fusion yeah. to power all of our everything. Yeah, and yeah. And then we'll create some sort of, what was it? It was a cold fusion bomb in the first Star Trek, wasn't it? The the, the reboot that was... Uh, I do not decision. remember. Yeah, I don't understand how that works. I, I, I'll get on that. I'll get on the, I'll <laughs> get on the communicator with Spock and we'll find yeah. out. Yeah. Anything else about recycling, guys? That's what I got. Joe's turn. No. Okay. <laughs> All right, that was an emphatic no from Joe. So with that in mind, we're going to wrap this up. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, you can get in touch with us and let us know what you would like to hear on future episodes of Forward Thinking. Our email address is fwthinking at discovery.com. Go to fwthinking.com for all of the blogs, podcasts, the video series, which just continues to get more awesome. Uh, I I love working on this. It's fantastic. I really want you guys to be part of this conversation. So join in. Let us know what you think. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 
Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.